Поэт в России больше, чем поэт. Who you just heard, and this is Zhenya Yevtushenko, and we're very happy to have him here, and glad he came over from Tulsa and arrived just on just in time. Forty seconds <laughs> We, early. Yeah, and yeah. this is his first podcast he's yeah. ever been on. So what an honor! Yeah, you know, I was thinking this morning. I'm patting myself on the back. I was thinking this morning, Zhenya, that I am actually I'm going to use the word. Oh I no, was, that hurt! I can't I, do that. I was giddy. I was giddy that to, to be to be involved with this because. Let me, let me explain. Gideon Maudlin. Giddy. Gideon Maudlin. <laughs> because I was thinking when Sean asked me to do this podcast, and I thought, well, I, I, first I shoved it away saying, of course not. Then I changed my mind. But I thought, <laughs> what are the odds of in a small town in northeastern Oklahoma that I could be sitting across from Mr. Yevtushenko's son and, you know, asking questions? And I think it's a what I call gold dust moment. Mm-hmm. Unexpected. I would never have met you had I not met Sean. She had invited me to be part of the podcast, so this is icing. This is icing on my cake. So, welcome, and and I'm I'm not going to gush anymore. Well, and my so. cake too. My cake too. <laughs> we'll share the cake. What, where's your cake? I want some of it. I, I don't have it's, any. It's in the fridge. I what think, kind of cake is it? Uh, different kinds of cheesecake. All different flavors of cheesecake. Who knows? It's just cake. Junior, choose what? your own cheesecake. Choose your own cheesecake. Like choose it. your own icing. Junior, what did you say to us at the beginning? Um, I said, "Poet uh, Vrasie Bolshichem Poet," and um, if I translate that, that's one of my dad's well-known um, kind of almost literary catchphrase, which is silly <laughs> to say. Um, but a poet in Russia is more than just a poet. Oh yes. Um, and he, um, man, like I, I still, and I, I've met a lot of poets that are very hesitant to call themselves poets. Um, I think I'm very hesitant to call myself one because I very feel very much feel like that same um, that same weight that kind of same spirit that a poet you know has to be socially conscious a poet has to be a reflection not just of only themselves but uh, what's going on around them as as well mm-hmm. um, and so for me when I am either performing my dad's work or performing my own work or going to another poet, you know, another poet's reading or something like that. Um, I'm always trying to keep in mind, you know, who are they? And it's okay to write for yourself. It's okay to write for the world. And it's also okay to write for maybe no one in particular all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those three elements have to kind of always be there. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Especially like there's always that, there's always that conversation of, are you writing, you know, for yourself or for the audience or for approval or mm-hmm. for money or whatever. Um, and what underlines all that seems to me to be truth. So you're, yeah. you're writing from your your sense of truth, which I know was important to uh, your dad, too. And I keep saying dad. Do you call him dad? Did you call him your dad or your father? No, what? I call him. I call him. Yeah, I call him my dad. Um, okay. Me and my brothers, we just call him Papa. Just Papa. Means, just means <laughs> right. dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we we all we all call him that. But it, it was very interesting, you know. Um, obviously, he was um, writing critically. He was writing civic poetry. He was also writing deeply lyrical poetry, deeply romantic mm-hmm. stuff too. But that's not necessarily why he became famous uh, internationally speaking. But that's why I think he stayed famous for as long as he did. Mm-hmm. Was that broad range? Um, and not every poet obviously needs to do that. But just to see, like some people are. I mean, gosh, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> but in Russia, the tradition of this of, of a poet is so much larger than life. I think just because uh, religion was removed, you know, during the Soviet Union, and literary and cultural idolatry mm-hmm. kind of replaced it. Um, and so, you know, writers like Mayakovsky or Pushkin, who I like to fear, if if anyone's unfamiliar with very intimidating <laughs> Russian literature, um, Pushkin was he's considered like what Shakespeare is for the English language. I, I really like thinking of Pushkin as a mix between Shakespeare and Walt Whitman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course he dry, he dies, you know, very tragically in a duel. What's more, 
What's more, what's more poetic? poetic than that? Yeah, and heavy yeah. debt yeah. in a duel over, you know, a the love of you. his life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Mm. Perfect poetic combination. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's really where that catchphrase comes from is that, you know, within this cultural tradition, if you are, uh, you know, Russian speaking, um, if you are a writer, then you have, you know, you really follow in the footsteps of giants. And I think that's true of any literary tradition. But my dad especially felt that mm-hmm. uh, growing up in the Soviet mm-hmm. Union. Yeah, right, right. So as Bill mentioned, we are sitting here in northeastern Oklahoma, a little town of Locust Grove, 45 hamlet. miles from Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And uh, so why? Why, why are we sitting <laughs> why here? Why are we sitting Chico here? Right. In Oklahoma. So maybe, Jen, you can tell us a little bit about how he, how you all came to be here. Oh, man. Uh, it's a little bit of a that's not as as a I guess as dramatic as I, I imagine it to be. But we came to the U.S. in the my family and I was born in '89. And you uh, were born in Moscow. Yeah, that's okay. right. I was born in Moscow. I was born in the Soviet Union. My mm-hmm. brother and I. He was born in my younger brother. He was born in 1990, and I was born in '89. So we were that last crop of Soviet <laughs> the last babies. Crop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's very strange to say. You know, I'm I'm born in a country that doesn't exist, but that's something you know that I share with mm-hmm. my. At a very tail end, right? I don't have much memory of it. Um, but I share that with my parents. Um, and so whenever we moved here uh, to Tulsa, my dad got um, offered a visiting professorship at first at the University of Tulsa. I believe it was 1995. Um, and he just came by himself for a semester. And he loved it. They loved him. He wanted to come back, vice versa. Um and for 25 plus years, he taught at the University of Tulsa, and we bounced around between um, Russia and the United States when I was growing up. Um, we bounced around quite a bit in the 90s, and then we more or less decide to, decided to settle down in Tulsa as more, more or less our home base. But during the summers, we would go back to Russia almost every summer, So, which mm-hmm. was an odd childhood. I imagine. I <laughs> yeah. imagine. Which was right. a very odd childhood. And yeah. the older I get, the, the more odd I think it, it becomes. Two different worlds. In a sense, right. Yeah. I really liked what he said about Oklahoma. And this was in the New York Times in 2003. He he said, quote, in some provincial cities, you can find the real soul of a country. I like the craziness of New York, but New York is really not America. It's all humanity in one drop. Tulsa is very American. He said it was the belly button of world culture. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I I mean, I think that's, you know, he was born, um, he wasn't born in Moscow, which is uh, the largest city in Russia. He was born in Zima Junction, which is in, um, which is in Siberia outside of uh, Irkutsk, which not to give you (laughs) too much of a geography lesson, but it's right uh, outside of uh, Lake Baikal, which is the largest freshwater lake in the world, or the deepest, I should say. Mm Anyway, he always felt that there was a lot of pretension in cities, uh, even though he was very much a city kid. Most of his life he lived in a city. Um, But he never kind of forgot his small town roots. And especially when authors in the 60s, um, like when John Steinbeck visited the Soviet Union, he wasn't interested in, I mean, sure, you know, I'll talk to Soviet intelligentsia or whatever, see what Soviet right, contemporary Soviet writers presented themselves. But he was much more interested in talking to someone that was a bus driver. He was much more interested in having a shot of vodka with somebody who, you know, worked, worked, you know, the land, that kind of thing. Um, And my dad, you know, really like, he didn't come from a very rich family. They were intellectual, but not rich. Um, and so for him, there was always more, I guess, not so much honesty at the ground level, but it was just cleaner. The The, the higher up you went up the social ladder, the dirtier it is at the top, right? <laughs> and it's, it's it's cleaner at the bottom. And that's kind of where, what he preferred to what he preferred, really. I mean, Shakespeare, yeah, I mentioned him earlier. He was, you know, similar vein, right? A writer that's trying to appeal to both mm-hmm. worlds. And Pushkin was a writer that was trying to appeal to both worlds. They really had one foot in each of those, um, you know, in each of those uh, social classes, the the cultured and, you know, if we have the cultured and the uncultured, mm-hmm. but I don't really believe in anyone being uncultured. <laughs> yeah. Well, he gets well, compared to Whitman a lot, too, and so I feel like that's kind of the, the same sort yeah, of... Yeah, and Ginsburg, uh, right? You know, the inspiration, biggest... Inspiration, yeah. Yeah, the biggest American, you know, contemporary that gets compared to Whitman was Ginsburg, and Ginsburg yeah. and my father were very close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is crazy to say and think about. Um, I feel like I kind of went, went, side, went off, <laughs> sidetracked that question. So why Locust Grove, I guess? 
Uh, you know, how did we come to be here? Oh, how, just how did come, you answered it? Oh, how okay. Did I, okay, okay. I ramble on. I ramble on. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, yeah. You were right to the point. 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 Uh, point. point. <laughs> <laughs> but he just in Tulsa, you know, he just felt um, a level of freedom. He felt accepted. Um, he felt that he could move around a bit more freely because people didn't really know his face, which was great. Um, in Moscow, I remember even as a child, we would, you know, try to go to a museum and or, you know, some public space, the theater or whatever, and we would get, you know, stopped or, you know, five, ten people would want his autograph. And that's fine. You know, he's a public figure. I understood that from a very young age. Um, but at the same time, you know, my mother was a public school, and she, she still is today. She's a public school teacher in Tulsa Public Schools. And uh, when when my dad was still around, uh, <laughs> like they'd be out, you know, at a restaurant or something, and then somebody would come up to the table, and my dad would be like, "Okay, well, I gotta, you know, interact with the the, the fans," and they'd be like, "Oh, oh, Mrs. Yevtushenko, right. you know, coming up to my mom. Oh my goodness, I'll never forget your Russian class, and I learned so much about history and culture, and you know, et cetera, and 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 oh, who's this gentleman next to you?" Uh, so she was kind of a she. She kind of uh, became a larger local celebrity just because of you know her teaching, which is great. Yeah. Um, but he he always he always had a good chuckle about it. Yeah, you know he would be, he would ground himself really quickly. So you knew from a young age that your father was kind of a big deal, you know. Or when did it hit you that hey, something's going on here? <laughs> you know? Something's not yeah, right. He, he's, he's, he, everyone knows my dad. What's why? What's going on? Um, I'd say my first memory of, um, I guess my dad's kind of a big deal was when we went, when I first started, um, going to school in Russia, uh, I'm named after my dad. Mm-hmm. So my full, I go by Shenya, but my full name is Yevgeny Yevgenievich Yevtushenko. And then in, okay. in Russian and many Eastern European cultures, your middle name is your father's first name. Mm-hmm. So Yevgeny, son of Yevgeny. Yevtushenko. It's like, okay, well, that's a few too (laughs) many coincidences, right? Um, And so a teacher calling role would, you know, catch that. And she's like, oh, my goodness, you know, uh, is is that any relation to the the writer? And she's like, I remember my mom uh, would say, oh, no, it's just, you know. uh, (laughs) We're we're going to play play play, this down. Yeah, yeah, we're going to play this down. It's like, oh, no, it's just, you know, just an accident. Yeah, yeah, coincidence. You know, he was my, he was my, uh, she would say he was my grandmother's favorite writer, which is true. (laughs) Uh, which is a lie. No, not, not a lie. It's a half lie. Um, but yeah, uh, so that, that kind of, you know, and I understood that that was kind of off a bit because I'm like, he's just a guy, (laughs) you know, I just see him, you know, running around doing lame dad stuff that every, every, every kid sees. Right. Uh, and you know, his friends were kind of weird, obviously, because they were musicians and writers Mm. and actors and all sorts of stuff. But I, I remember, uh, in first grade in Russia, they were talking about like literally we were already talking about humanities and saying, you know, okay, there's this author and this author and this author. And I was never afraid to speak my mind. Um, and so I read it, which is, we're not so sure if that's a good quality or not yet. The jury's still out, <laughs> but, um, good quality. <laughs> but, um, I raised my hand and I told the teacher, it's like, well, I've heard of, you know, Pushkin, but I haven't heard of that guy and that guy. And they mustn't be writers because they're not friends with my dad. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't know them. Yeah, yeah, like they can't be writers. And so after that, you know, my mom really couldn't hide it. Like the teacher almost like, you know, freaked out. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that's probably the first time I realized like he's, you know, he he's, um, has a larger cultural consequence, mm-hmm. you know, than I think, how old was I at the time? Maybe six, seven, something like that. Um, and I'd been performing with him on stage since I was seven years old. Um, you know, pretty large auditoriums, wow. you know, that kind of thing in Moscow. And it was kind of, I, I think it was a little gimmicky at first, you know, oh, let's bring up the cute kid. He can do a poem with his dad and then send him back down. But over time, you know, you know, and I, I think that's what it was initially. Like, let's just try this out. You know, maybe it'll be fun. Um, oh, and he's named after him too. How cute, you know, two genius on the stage, right? So it just kind of writes itself. Um, but... Yeah, um, it was it was interesting being up on stage with him mm-hmm. uh, at a very very early age, and that's something I continued to do, you know, throughout my life. Absolutely, but it seemed like you know one of those like, Ugh, Dad, okay, I'll do your poetry thing that yeah, you want to do. I'll jump whatever. through this hoop. Yeah, I, you know, right. I love this description he has of you and in, in the poem that he wrote for you. He called you the tiny warm monument of me. 
<laughs> was that in uh, was that Child of Love that poem? I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think I was nine when he wrote that. I remember. <laughs> I I remember when he wrote that. I asked him a very precocious. I was. I for some reason at nine years old I assumed every well humans have their own you know religion, and I assumed that every other animal had too. So I asked him. So do turtles have a god, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> Seems valid. Like a valid right. question to me. I would have asked the same type of question. All right. I was a young aspiring theologian and turtle, <laughs> turtle enthusiast. Sure. So I wanted to connect those two interests. A turtle yeah. theologian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, and we were before before the show started, we were talking about, you know, different poetic triggers. And that's something, you know, he would hear something, somebody say something silly or something goofy, or maybe he might see something. So he was always open to um to be to just influences from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Really, and that, that's kind of <laughs> I tried doing that. <laughs> um, I tried doing that last year, and that was just through uh, through my you know literary my own writerly I guess journey. It makes it sound much more glamorous than it really is, but um, uh, it's <laughs> there's <laughs> you know nothing wrong is. with the word journey. It's not that no. terribly glamorous. Come on now, no. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it's 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 interesting, you know, when you let everything in the world inspire you, it's almost yes. like you can't turn off that spigot. It's almost, and it's, o- it's almost overwhelming. It's almost overstimulating. Everything is. For example, you just said you asked the question of your father: Do turtles have a god? In my mind, I'm thinking I need to write that down. There's a poem <laughs> right, in there. Right. I'm, there's a, there's a, there's a work of art there that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. The, the turtle god. I've even got it titled. It's hard. To, it's hard to turn this off for 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 creatives. Yeah, you're building the world around it, right? right. Yeah, you see the the yeah exactly. Certainly, yes. And your mind's just rolling. Everything's with it. inspirational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and that's I don't know how he you know and people would come up to him a lot. I don't know if this happens to you. I'm sure I'm sure it does. But it's just like you should write a poem about that. <laughs> You should write a poem about that. It's Which just I like, just said. Right, 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 <laughs> Sorry. exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and some of the stuff is just, it'll be out of nowhere for him. People would come up to him all the time and it's just like, you should write a poem about, um, I don't know, like relationship problems. It's like, oh, I have, you know, <laughs> I've been writing poems. Right. So it's just, it's just interesting. He was, he was a really, really just, just a dynamic figure. Um had just a giant zest for life, mm-hmm. and he, for better or for worse, he let those interests kind of pull pull him in multiple directions. But he was able to; it was a controlled chaos. So he politely uh, took that advice and let it shed off of him because that's like telling Picasso, "You should paint something in pink." <laughs> you know, it's just like, no, 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 stop! I'm gesturing people. Uh, <laughs> what they do. Anyway, it, it's, yeah, it, it, bang the table. I, your microphone, Jenny. I'm being extra. Polite. I've yeah. got I've got everything off the table. Yeah, but you've got a pen in your hand too, I, so that's kind of dangerous. I know, I know, but I'm not gesturing. <laughs> I'm not b- bumped anything or spilt anything. So no, I'm, we're doing great. I'm on my best behavior. So I I am too. You I are am too. You're, you're trying for your first podcast. This is brilliant. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah. Well, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. I'm I'm trying to keep my hands to myself. Keep, it's like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> I think it would be great if we could hear one of uh, Yevgeny Yevdyshenko's poems at this point. What do you oh, think? Yeah, I would I would love to read it. We have uh, you and uh, your family very graciously loaned us some of his items, and we have them on display here in the museum. And um, so that's how we've got, I mean, we had met, we had known each other before then, but that's how we have more of a um, relationship now (laughs) because we have that uh, out here. And maybe we'll talk about a few of the things that are out there in a little bit too, but let's, let's hear a poem. Um, so since my dad passed away, I've been performing his work quite a bit, um, with the intention to, um, something that, um, something that the actor Vanessa Redgrave told me was that I have to, I'm, I'm working on a memoir project about my dad and she was one of the people I got to interview, which is incredible. But, oh, um, she was in his movie, one of the movie he mm-hmm. made, yeah. Um, she told me that you have to you have to figure out what your li- what your father's life means. And so that's kind of, you know, I started the year with, with that. Um, that little question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, which is interesting. And I think I realized, you know, when she said that, I, I think I realized that that's been the chief driving force behind me reading his work as often as I do and performing and trying to make mm-hmm. his sure. work visible. 
Um, but most of the works I perform of his are um, kind of like civic poetry, the stuff he's mo- most well known for, but he doesn't get enough credit as a lyric poet. So writing about, you know, the internal world, the internal life. Um, this poem is one of my favorites. It's called uh, Sleep My Beloved. I'm going to read it in English first, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you guys, it's very, very musical. Mm-hmm. Um, Sleep My Beloved. The salty spray glistens on the fence. The wicket gate is bolted shut. And the sea, smoking and heaving and scooping the dikes, has sucked into itself the salty sun. Sleep, my beloved. Don't torment my soul. Already the mountains and the steps are falling asleep. And our lame dog, shaggy and sleepy, lies down and licks his salty chain. And the branches are murmuring, and the waves are trampling, and the dog and his day are on the chain. And I say to you, whispering, and then half-whispering, and then quite silently, sleep, my beloved. Sleep, my beloved. Forget that we quarreled. Imagine we are waking. Everything is new. We are lying in the hay, we sleepy heads. Part of the dream is the scent of our sour cream from somewhere below, from the cellar. Oh, how can I make you imagine all this, you so mistrustful? Sleep, my beloved. Smile in your dream. Put away your tears. Go and gather flowers and wonder where to put them, burying your face in them. Are you stuttering, tired perhaps of tossing? Muffle yourself up in your dream and wrap yourself in it. In your dream, you can do whatever you want to. All that we mutter about if we don't sleep. It's reckless not to sleep. It's even a crime. All that is latent cries out from the depths. It is difficult for your eyes, so much crowded in them. It will be easier for them under closed eyelids. Sleep, my beloved. What is it that's making you sleepless? Is it the roaring sea? The begging of the trees, evil forebodings, someone's dishonesty, and maybe not someone's, but simply my own. Sleep, my beloved. Nothing can be done about it. But no, I'm innocent of that accusation. Forgive me, do you hear? Love me, do you hear? Even if in your dream, even if in your dream. Sleep, my beloved. We are on the earth, flying savagely along, threatening to explode, and we have to embrace so we won't fall down. And if we do fall, we shall fall together. Sleep, my beloved. Don't nurse a grudge. Let dreams settle softly in your eyes. It's so difficult to fall asleep on this earth. And yet, do you hear, beloved? Sleep. And the branches are murmuring and the waves are trampling, and the dog and his day are on the chain. And I say to you, whispering, and then half whispering, and then quite silently, sleep, my beloved. Соленые брызги блестят на заборе, Калитка уже на заборе, и море Дымясь и вдымаясь, и дамбы долбя, Соленое солнце всосало в себя. Любимая спи, мою душу не мучай, Уже засыпают и горы, и степь, А пес наш хамучий, лохмато дремучий, Ложится и лежит соленую цепь. И море всем топотом, и ветви всем ропотом, И всем своим опытом. Пес на цепи, а я тебе шепотом, потом пол шепотом, потом уже молча. Любимая, спи, любимая, спи. Позабудь, что мы в ссоре. Представь, просыпаемся, свежесть во всем. Мы в сене, мы сони, и дышит мацони откуда-то снизу из погреба в сон. О, как мне заставить все это представить тебе, недоверу, любимая спи. Во сне улыбайся, все слезы оставить, цветы собирай и гадай, где поставить, и множество платьев красивых купи. 
бормочется, видно устало ворочаться, ты в сон завернись и укутайся им. Во сне можно делать все то, что захочется, все то, что бормочется, если не спим. Не спать безрассудно и даже подсудно, ведь все, что подспудно, кричит в глубине. Глаза твоим трудно, в них так многолюдно, под веками легче им будет во сне. Любимая, спи, что причина бессонницы, ревручее море, деревьев, мольба, дурные предчувствия, чата бессовестность, а может быть, не чата, а просто моя. Любимая, спи, ничего не попишешь, но знай, что не винен я в этой вине. Прости меня, слышишь? Люби меня, слышишь? Хотя бы во сне, хотя бы во сне. Любимая, спи, мы на шаре земном, сверполетящим, грозящим взорваться. И надо обняться, чтоб вниз не сорваться. А если сорваться, сорваться вдвоем. Любимая, спи, ты обид не копи. Пусть сонки тихо в глаза заселяются, Так тяжко на шаре земном засыпается. И все-таки, слышишь, любимая, спи. И море всем топотом, и ветви всем ропотом, И всем своим опытом пес на цепи. И я тебе шепотом, потом полушепотом, потом уже молча, любимая, спи. Shall we applaud? <laughs> that was bravo, bravo. How you are a brilliant orator. Oh, I thanks. mean, it was the inflections and the quietness, and the, it's almost like. You know, uh, uh, someone that's done this forever. You know, a, book on, a book on tape where you're just like, brilliant, brilliant. How lovely to hear English and Russian. And for our listeners, English is your second language. I'm still gobsmacked at that <laughs> fact. I still, you know, I'm, I'm just like, don't stare at him. He's, you know, he's, but anyway, it's, I find that so amazing. Oh, thank you. It was, that was beautiful. Oh, thank you very well, much. We're talking to Georges Baton. Is that beloved? Did I say it? Yeah, 1964, that poem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
one year after my mother was born. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> we shall speak not of our ages. <laughs> but um, what, what I liked as a layperson, how effortlessly we were allowed into this intimate circle. Oh, great. That, effortlessly just allowed to be, compliment. to be part of that intimate dynamic. I felt like, wow. It, was, it is, because if you have a poem that seems effortless mm-hmm. when you're listening to it or you're listening to someone read it also, mm-hmm. that means it took a hell of a lot of effort right, to write right. and to mm-hmm. perform. Yes, and to, and to perform as you yeah. did beautifully. Well, yeah. and, and whenever I whenever I try to perform, I mean, I've, I've seen my dad perform so often. I mean, he's the poem, who, he's the poet whose work I'm, for better or for worse, most familiar with in his performance style and his voice. So whenever I'm reading his work, I try not to necessarily do an impersonation, but it's more, it's more, again, I think it's more like, a, more like a translation. Like I'm just trying to not channel him, not be a conduit or anything, but I know how he would have wanted mm-hmm. it to be read, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But toward the end of the poem where you're like, sleep, and your voice gets quieter and quieter because... Oh, per- yeah, that's him. Because the person, <laughs> the person that is involved, the other per- person is being lulled off to sleep and you're getting more quiet more quiet because you're aware of this mm-hmm. it's it's entrancing and yeah, it's it's, it's an art to to, to to reciting that and especially in the english, it's like a spell right in the spell, yeah spell. Exactly. in the because in the english version there's a there are just a consistent assonance that leads to a rhythm in that and i i feel i don't know if it's because of the russian language but it's a much more consonant and and alliteration in the russian version especially the s's and the the z's is what stands out but in the english version it's the o's and the u's and the it, it's just very interesting. Russian's a very rhyming. It's a it's a rhyming language, mm-hmm. so it's much easier to rhyme and not sound hokey. Um, but in English, you know, obviously English can be very very musical as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even you know contemporary English, but specifically where you you know when whenever I hear something like I was listening to Jim Croce on my <laughs> on my drive up here. <laughs> I love Jim Croce. Yeah, I do too. He's a great he's a great writer. Um, say time in a bottle. Right. Yeah. Talk about using surrealist imagery. Right. And that song kind of reminds me a little bit of this poem. You know, it's very lyrical. It's very personal. It's you're they're letting into, you know, you're the author, the performer is letting you into this trance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, what's what's most powerful about that song and you know this poem specifically is its its performance like i can't imagine you know when we hear that song right if i make it save time it'll fall. <laughs> like i can't hear anybody but jim croce's voice oh, doing yeah. that. even no yeah. matter how good the person is that's yeah. covering it right yeah and same thing kind of with my dad's my dad's poetry he there was a specific way he wanted it to be read he would write he would write his poetry to be performed and I'm not sure if you're aware, there's a, maybe you're subconsciously aware, Jim Croce and his son had a powerful yeah. dynamic, and his son is now a musician. So maybe that is subconsciously appealing to you because his son watched a famous father grow up, as you or, or dealt with a famous father's fame, and um, is now a musician, and of course had more of a tragic life, the son. But uh, I see a lot of parallels between Jim Croce and his son and you and your father. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's subconscious. You know, again, as I overanalyze, as I do. Yeah. His, his son's just more talented at what he's doing than, than what Certain. I am at this point. At this point. Certainly. I'll, I'll give myself a little window of hope there, too. Oh, you're young. Goodbye. You got time. You got time. But you said he, he wrote to, to be uh, read, to be listened to. And that, I think, is the fault that we find in a lot of um, schools. And I can say that as a former uh, high school teacher, is that kids are not exposed to the sound of poems like they should be because they are they're written to be heard kind of like a a play it's a performance art yeah yeah you have to hear them you have to feel them in your body or at least listen to someone you know saying them not just reading silently it's it's not going to and have the impact that no. it can have. Mm-hmm. Well, and then we've all had, you know, I mean, I, I was taught poetry a little bit in, in public school and in the United States, but it was um, no offense to my teachers who I will not <laughs> name, but right. they're oh, you know, lovely people, but it's just, no, you know, so they should reading... take offense. There's too many of them out there that aren't doing it <laughs> properly and they know it. Right. And, that, and that's the problem is the knowing it. But, you know, the, the ones that would try to bring poetry in, it's like oftentimes they were not, I mean, they're not performers. Right. And so it's really tough to get a, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 year old kid into a poem when it's read or performed very flatly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Correct. but that's what you know, there's no excuse. You've got video. You've got, oh, especially you know, this you, day and age. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've yeah. got all kinds of ways that that you can share it with the with people. Anyway, side note. <laughs> that's when. That's Noted, when. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I get off on that. So, I understand. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. As you, as you should. As you should. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even yeah. just in the tradition of American letters, it's so rich. And you know, that's something we'll, we'll be talking about later. But you know, there's yeah. so many fantastic contemporary poets, and we're just blind to them. Yeah. And it's so well, you know, in our education system particularly, and it's just so sad for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, wow, here's a voice that's really saying something. Let's come back to that in the next episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, he he does have wonderful lyric poetry. Um, your father does. There's just. Tons of it. Well, I mean, it's it's the truth. I mean, it. And I was reading the face behind the face on an airplane sometime this summer. I was going somewhere, and it just was so wonderful just to read through the whole book. This is when he is. Oh wow, that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, Um, because it. Yeah, Sean just showed me a a signature (laughs) in the in the book. My dad's in Russian. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's it's lovely poetry. It can be, not that, uh, like you said, civic poetry can't be lovely, but you can read a poem that, uh, I mean, he, he one of my favorites in there is, um, what's it called, the Alder Catkin? I love I love that poem, and it's just about a, a catkin falling into his hand and all of the places that that takes him, of, of seeing that and just... And it's know. very interesting, that Certainly. poem has been retranslated so many times. Sometimes it's yeah. translated as the Alden Girl. Oh really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> how in different place? <laughs> right. We were talking about poetic <laughs> triggers right earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there's that, but then there also is the fact that he probably is most known for a poem that is called Baba Yar. So can we maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Especially for people who who may not be familiar with it, because one of the things that that you brought to us and that we have in the exhibit out there is a plaque that it's from the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, isn't it? Yes, Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem. Mm -hmm. And it um, it says, remembering the past, shaping the future. And uh, it's a commemoration to him for his poem, Baba Yar. And there's a piece, is that fence wire? Mm -hmm. Barbed wire. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that from... I don't believe so. You don't know where it's from. Okay, so there's it's a piece of, of fence wire, barbed wire, and it's turning into a gold leaf. That's what's on the uh, the plaque, and there's a, a blue background. And he went to the Holocaust Museum in 2008, and that's when they gave the award to him. So can you tell us a little bit about that poem? And yeah. Um, so the poem Bobby Yar was, I believe it was written in 1961. Starts getting published around 1962 uh, during Khrushchev's thaw. So really, the first time in the Soviet era where you could criticize what you know passed as Soviet right. civil society right. and le- leadership and that kind of thing. Yeah, and translate what Bobby Yar. Yes, Bobby Yar is a place name. Okay. Um, it's actually a ravine outside of Kiev in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, they would call it Babinyar. Uh, Bobby Yar is the Russian way to to say it. So it's um, the name of a physical location. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. And it was the site in uh, World War II. It was the site of um, the single largest um, mass killing of Jews during World War II in one day, up until, I think, the Odessa pogrom. Um, but this was before they were starting to use gas chambers to eradicate not just Jews, but also political prisoners, uh, Soviet veterans, uh, Roma, you know, anybody and ev- everyone that was, you know, disfavorable or in the way. Mm-hmm. Um in the, in the fascist perspective. Um, and there was no, there were a lot of um, Ukrainians, as there were Russians during World War II, that were, that became accommodationists. So, well, we're going to help, you know, the occupiers, since it looks like they have the winning hand, which at the time they did. Um, and so it was kind of swept under the rug that a lot of local Ukrainians were also helping with these executions. Um and I mean, gosh, I think it was something like in, in the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., there's a giant photograph with a, cl- a quote from uh, from Bobby R., my dad's poem about about the shooting, about the massacre. Um, and it's just a giant photo of just clothes, 
you know, the people were forced to remove before they were being executed. So it's complete just humiliation. And the, these people were shot, you know, one bullet at a time. This mm -hmm. wasn't e a mass execution style. Execution mm -hmm. style. Imagine, I mean, 30,000. No, can't imagine. Yeah, gosh. I mean, yeah, me neither. I don't want to. <laughs> no, no. Um, and he, my dad goes in the 1960s, he travels to Ukraine, he travels to that site. And he sees that there is absolutely, uh, this is in the 1960s when he sees this, and he sees that there is absolutely, after 15 years after World War II is over, um, and he sees that there's absolutely no monument. There, the place is being used as a public dump. So the ravine mm -hmm. <laughs> that served as a impromptu grave was now just used, being used as a So there are actually bodies there that have been, and uh, in, in, obviously they're just covered by other just debris oh. over years and years. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there was nothing memorializing it. And you just couldn't believe it. Right. And anti-Semitism was so incredibly rampant, um, you know, throughout Europe, through its history, but especially in the Soviet Union, um, that, you know, my dad just said, you know, enough is enough. Um, he wrote this, you know, poem of witness, right, where in Bobby Yar, he, he goes through, I think, three different personas is how he how he structures the poem. Um but he really just takes takes on that. Um, he wasn't the first writer to write about it. There were plenty of Ukrainian Jews that were writing about Babiyar, but or Babinyar. Um, but what's important about him writing about it is that he, as a non-Jew, as a non-Ukrainian, he was put. He was already well established as a writer. He was kind of putting his career on the line to talk about this when mm -hmm. he really didn't have to. Mm -hmm. um, and the uh, the publisher of the uh, the publication that first picked it up, his name was uh, Yuri Kasalapov. And my dad showed him the, the poem, and Kasalapov calls, he said, Genya, I need to talk to my wife about this poem. So he's just waiting outside their, you know, the office as Kasalapov and his wife are talking. He said, well, we agreed, my wife and I, that we are going to publish this poem, but we know that we're going to be blacklisted, if not worse even at a time, you know, of thaw, mm -hmm. right? Still, people were very scared of, of, critici of criticizing um, Soviet civil society or anything like that. Um, and that's exactly what happened. He got, he got blacklisted, but the poem just blew up in fame um, because, again, here was this person that really, I mean, he had skin in the game, you know, just a, as a Russian seeing something bad that's happening, but mm -hmm. he didn't have to, you know, right? Um, by any means. And that that poem, you know, took on a life of its own very quickly, as as, as great art does, um, and kind of protected him. Uh, so he was safe from any sort of backlash at that time. In fact, Khrushchev even approved <laughs> the publication. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but some people, somebody had to get punished, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so my dad, every time he would perform this poem, uh, he would always mention. Kasalapov and his wife and the, mm -hmm. the immense personal risk that they took. Um, and so this, I mean, this poem today is still fairly controversial. Um, it's interesting, you know, that we resettled, of all places, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, a place with its own, you know, history of mass graves and yeah. conspiracies of silence yes. and, you know, not wanting to talk about it. Or, mm -hmm. um, and I don't think he was aware of that when we mm -hmm. first moved there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I remember going to high school and like, you know, we had like a paragraph or two in our book and I was just like, hey, this is pretty messed up. Have you heard about this? And she's like, what mm -hmm. are you talking about? And, then, you know, we would we, we would talk about it. And there's another, you know, unfortunate parallel. Well, Tulsa, Tulsa is the racial epicenter of the uh, of violence in this nation. And it's it's not known. It, it, it has not been known. The, oh, right. the, the race, the race riot has not been. I didn't know learn about it. How would this how would this poem Baba Yar be how does it apply today in today's situation with with uh, the the Russian situation the Russian the way Russians are perceived now I, I mean that's a big question and I, I apologize no 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 that's I just a good wonder question. if it's more applicable now than it's been in a long time um, um I, w I would say unfortunately in many ways it is mm -hmm. um I would prefer, I remember, you know, even as a kid, you know, growing up and I was just like, man, I'm so happy that we won't, we don't have to, you know, I won't have to live through anything like this. World mm -hmm. War II is the worst possible thing, you know, mm -hmm. especially growing up um, with, you know, so people that were, you know, deep, like my dad was born in 1933. Mm -hmm. So he was a child when, 
World War II. He was, you know, when World War II came in 1941 to, mm-hmm. um, to the Soviet Union, he was clinging to the tops of, you know, train cars and evacuating from Moscow to Siberia. Mm-hmm. Uh, while, you know, Messerschmitt, you know, the German fighter planes would just be, you know, gunning, mowing people down, trying to evacuate. Um, and so Russia has this, and I'll, I'll just use Russia more broadly instead of the Soviet Union, but Russia has this mentality of, um, in this historical tradition of being incredibly oppressed and also of being an incredible oppressor. Mm-hmm. So both of those identities exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Bobby Yar, that poem, my dad ends, ends the poem with, um, oh, thank you, Sean. Uh, he ends, in my blood, there is no Jewish blood, but in their callous rage, all anti-Semites must hate me now as a Jew. For that reason, I am a true Russian. I mean, imagine if someone, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine, you know, if someone wrote, um, you know, it's like during like, I don't know, just to use recent history, like George Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. There is no, you know, I, I, you know, don't have that same ancestry and I don't understand what that trauma looks like of being black in America. But when I stand up for somebody that's being victimized, you know, because of their heritage, their ethnicity, mm-hmm. whatever, then now all people must hate me now is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like I need all the racists need to hate me equally. Mm-hmm. Right. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in today's context, you know, I mean, we had just a massive, you know, war crime that's still trying to be figured out mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just this week from from the war in Ukraine, the conflict that's going on there. Um, and for me, it's, you know, how can you, you know, the Soviet Union experienced, I mean, it's between 20 and 27 million people were, were killed during World War II because it was just a different war, right? It was total war. Um, so with that shared trauma that the former Soviet republics have in the Eastern Bloc and all that, how can you possibly, you know, invade and then continue to to do, you know, these dehumanizing acts of crime. It's interesting that you bring this up because I did not know how to ask you that very question without seeming insensitive to your your family and your your, your lineage, you know, because I didn't want you to feel targeted. But you have a I know you had a very humanistic perspective uh, in general, you know. So thank you for explaining that. It's almost without me asking you. and it continues today, you know. Oh, the, very much the, so. The, the what we call war crimes, crimes against humanity. I can't imagine how can this go on? How can this happen? And who, why? Who know? would have thought that the, the 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 bombing of a dam and the flooding of many 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 cities would would occur? Who thinks that way? You know. Right. Who makes this kind of who decisions? Makes those decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. And then even just this talk of and I and I've heard. Um, I've heard Russians talk about Ukrainians this way before, before the war, where it was just, you know, very like, oh, like, okay, uh, he's, you know, kind of like if Americans like joking about Canadians <laughs> quite a bit, <laughs> uh, we like to poke fun of them and stuff, but that's in good fun. But imagine, you know, quickly if it wasn't. Yeah. Right. Um, and there's also this culture of Canada was never subjected yeah. <laughs> by or subjugated by the United States. Um you know, their language was never made illegal by the United States the way Ukrainian was made illegal. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a really deep, like, I've never felt any sort of animosity towards Ukrainians. I mean, my last name itself is Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily identify mm-hmm. with that. We weren't, it was just like, okay, we're all just, you know, they were, all, everyone was a Soviet citizen, right? It's like, it's kind of strange. It would be like thinking of yourself as, like, obviously there's a distinct Oklahoman culture and a distinct Texan culture but everybody thinks of themselves as Americans. Mm-hmm. And that was the Soviet Union at the time. You know, just to use it bluntly, everybody's a Soviet citizen first, and then everything else comes second. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but... <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like that's where your, your father's poetry comes in, too, because yeah, to me yeah, that yeah, it's absolutely. like, you know, the old Shelley phrase of poets are the unacknowledged legislators of the world. If... That, that is where you reach people because you can read something in a newspaper. You can read something in a textbook. You know, people can talk to you about it. But does it change you? Mainly no. What changes people is if you touch them on an emotional level. Right. And that emotional level creates a new story. 
in them Mm -hmm. that gets rid of the old story. Mm -hmm. But you can't get rid of someone's old story in their head and their upbringing if you don't reach them emotionally. And, And so that's why this museum exists you know that's why uh, i've always loved poetry that's why it's transformational that's why i've always loved your dad's poetry is because you have to touch people in order to get them to see and to feel and to hear and to act in a way that is human you know and that's something he always tried to do as he tried to step outside into the larger humanity. This mm-hmm. is our larger tradition, right? As much as he was, you know, in touch with his own roots and his own culture, he was so much more interested in the outside world. Mm-hmm. And is he was that, an avid, avid re- reader. Is that where his phrase, is that is this his phrase, there are no uninteresting people? Was that his, is, that, is that where this comes from? Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. He, there are, and, and in other words, you're worthy, your story's worthy of, me, of, 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 of being heard. Oh, everyone's yeah. story, everyone's background, everyone's life path. Yeah, you is, never is, know is, what is, you can is, learn is, from is someone interesting. else. Right, exactly. You know, again, back to my situation, had it, had Sean not asked me, had I not agreed, I would never have been here, would never have met you. There's a lot of intersections that would have never happened. You know, So you, you be open to that, to listening, to learning to people. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I love this. You know, coming. That's why I'm, I love this place. You know, yeah. like, that's that's what and, this place is. And we've gone way over time, but I don't. Care. <laughs> this is a special episode. You know, no. 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 Yeah. You know. Maybe we'll have to do a part two of this one. Right. Right. It's the, the sequel. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and, and uh, wrap this episode up. We are going to have here at the museum on July 22nd, Yevgeny Yevdashenko birthday celebration. And so I hope that you <laughs> will come out from two to four, and uh, Jenna will be Jenna will be here. Who will be uh, reading some of his father's poems, some of his own, perhaps talking yeah. about him, doing the Q and A. We're going to have uh, refreshments, and it'll be a grand old time. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wear my most. I'm lo- afraid. I'm going to wear. I, don't be afraid. <laughs> I'm going to wear my loudest, most colorful shirt. Oh yeah, in honor. In honor. Oh okay, wonderful. And I've got some loud. Heck yeah. We need to have people do that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because your dad uh, loved colorful clothes, and mm-hmm. you have loaned us one of his very colorful sh- shirts <laughs> that's in the museum exhibit. So yeah. I will, I will add that okay. to it. Yeah, Excellent. good idea, Excellent. Bill. Excellent. That is a good I, idea. You're, you're good for something over there. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. I hang around. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jenya, for being here. And like I say, we'll, we'll probably have you back if you'll you come back. Thank you for having back. me, yeah. And he will actually be in our next episode, too, when we're going to talk more about uh, his work and about what's going on with yeah. poetry in Tulsa and Oklahoma. Yeah, so. your circle, your circle of things going on. Thanks for being with us, yeah. folks. Share yeah. it. Bye, guys.